0: Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast for the foreign policy and global development communities and anyone who wants a deeper understanding of what is driving events in the world today. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. Enjoy the show. Today's episode was recorded live in front of a virtual audience and produced in partnership with CGIAR. The world's largest agricultural innovation network. It is part of a series of episodes examining the relationship between climate variability and security. In today's episode, I moderate a panel discussion in which experts discuss the relationship between climate variability, migration, and security in Latin America. The episode kicks off with introductory remarks by Bram Hovarts, Director General of the International Maize and Wheat Improvement Center. I then pose some questions to our panelists in a moderated session before opening it up to the audience. To participate in a future live taping of the podcast as part of this series, please visit climatesecurity.cgiar.org. And now here is Bram Hovarts, Director General of the International Maize and Wheat Improvement Center.
1: Good day, everybody, and thank you very much for joining us. It is a pleasure to be hosting today's uh, seminar. Uh, In this panel discussion, we will look at climate security with the lens, of course, of Central America and Latin America. I am Bram Hovarts. I'm the Director General for CEMET, the International Mace and Wheat Improvement Center. We're all proudly part of the CGIAR and today moving towards an even more successful one CGIAR with more impact, more efficiency, and more resources. I want to say that we are all lucky today to have an outstanding panel of experts who will help us to understand the ongoing climate security crisis in Mexico and Central America with an aim to put forward decisive concrete actions to help address the converging challenges of climate change, food security, conflict, and forced migration. I would like to thank all of you our many partners, farmer organization, guests from donors, and other CGRR organizations to this webinar. We will explore here together the climate security challenge in Latin America, the dry corridor extending from southern Mexico to Panama, including Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, and Nicaragua. This discussion could hardly be timelier, considering some of the latest reports that have been recently published by the uh, about the deteriorating food security conditions in Central America, which have even gotten worse by the extreme weather events, COVID-19 and alarming levels of crime-related violence. The United Nations uh, estimates that the number of people requiring food assistance in Latin America almost tripled in 2020 due to the economic recession and this associated with, associated with income losses caused by the COVID pandemic. According to the Food and Agriculture Organization and the Community of Latin America and the Caribbean states, the people most affected by hunger and malnutrition in Latin America and the Caribbean work in the informal economy and account for 50% of the labor force in the region. On top of that, the latest synthesis report from the United Nations Climate Change Task Task Force Estimates that global green gas emissions will increase by 60% in 2030 as compared to the benchmark levels of 2010. This means something very simple. We're not on track for the Paris Agreement goals. We're not on track to be ready to, uh, uh, to reduce the degrees of Celsius that we need to reduce by the end of the century. We know that our food systems not only need to provide sufficient nutrition. They at the same time need to generate nature conservation and national security. Unfortunately, we have all seen the migration as part of of the disruption of these precise agri-food systems. And these precise agri-food systems not providing all of the above. We have all seen how efficiency now need to be turned into resilience, how in a way Today, we need to go back to our roots. We have received for our work the Nobel Peace Prize uh, 50 years ago. And today, we need to go back to those roots to fast forward. Fast forward into a future where we connect agriculture for peace. Where we put together our response capacity as a network of partners to make a difference. Because you all on the call know that climate security, that a climate secure world, that a world without conflict, that the world where agriculture creates peace will not be made from air conditioned offices. It will not be made by people sitting and talking. It will be made by all of us turning things into action, data into information, information into decision-making and in decision-making into decision-taking. I'm sure that Mark Leon Goldberg will moderate very soon this complex discussion, a discussion that counts with Andrew as a well-known special advisor for climate change of the UN. Daisy, well-known friend and leader of the Latin America special initiative for the CGIR. Javier, who will represent the voice of the farmers and we will have to listen carefully. And Salvador, as a good friend from the Mexican government. I am sure that all your insights on how to address the climate and food security crisis in the dry corridor of Mexico and Central America will be a complete eye-opener and more than that, a call for action we will not be able to ignore and we will be held accountable for
0: Welcome everyone. My name is Mark Leon Goldberg. I am the editor of UN Dispatch and host of the Global Dispatches podcast. And today's conversation is being recorded as a live taping of the podcast. Bram Hovarts did a great job of framing this conversation and I now have the honor of moderating an excellent panel today whom I will now introduce. Javier Aliaga-Lordman is Senior Climate Change Specialist for the Latin America and Caribbean Network of Fair Trade Small Producers and Workers, which goes by the acronym CLAC. Welcome. 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 Daisy Martinez-Baron is Regional Program Leader for CCAFs in Latin America with CGIAR. Welcome.
2: Hello, everyone.
0: Andrew Harper is Special Advisor on Climate Actions at the United Nations Refugee Agency. Welcome.
3: Hi, Thank you.
0: And Salvador Fernandez Rivera is Rural Development General Coordinator in the Ministry for Agriculture and Rural Development of Mexico. Welcome. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, good afternoon to everyone. Uh, I have some questions prepared for our panelists, but I will also be sure to leave plenty of time for questions from the audience. To ask a question, please simply leave your question in the comment section wherever you are watching today's live stream. And today's conversation is also available in Spanish. Please click on the link in the event description and mute the video player to listen to the Spanish language uh, translation. Uh, With that, let us begin. And Andrew, I am going to turn to you first. Uh, We've talked in previous panel discussions as part of this series, how climate exacerbates insecurity, which can also lead to migration, both internationally and also within states. You are the special advisor on climate change for the UN Refugee Agency, so you must grapple with this issue nearly daily, I would imagine. In your experience, what is the role of climate in exacerbating insecurity, <laughs> and how does this impact human mobility, specifically within Latin America and the dry corridor of Central America?
3: Okay, and thanks, Mark. And um, I'd just like to say what um, how Bram introduced the whole session sums up a lot of the, the issues that we have to deal with. That climate change, the climate crisis, is being a—I wouldn't necessarily say a threat multiplier, but probably a vulnerability multiplier. And if you look at, at at rather than climate being a threat or a security issue, but seeing as a as a person issue, a, a human issue, then it comes down to one of the key elements that climate is impacting the the poorest, the most vulnerable communities. First, And as a consequence, if you've got a community that is unable to adapt, who's already struggling, and we've already seen this, whether it be through the um, the COVID, the impact of the COVID um, crisis, or that is struggling because of just um, droughts or floods or the inability to um, regroup after being hit by hurricanes or, or droughts, then they've often got no alternative but to move. And so what we have been seeing across the board, and this is particularly the case in the Dry Corridor as well as in um, uh, the rest of Central America and South America, is that populations who would normally be able to resist uh, the violence of climate change um, are are basically being hammered year after year and have got no choice but to move. And as a consequence of that, there is increasing competition over resources and people are moving into areas where... Uh, there's challenges with governance, and this is leading to violence. Um, it may not necessarily be state-sponsored, or it's 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 just leading to a breakdown in so, into societies in societies. And so, as a consequence, this disruption which climate change is generating is leading to people looking for alternatives. And this is, um, let's say, exacerbating underlying other mega trends, which includes urbanisation. People are moving for a whole host of reasons, and climate change is one of those key drivers.
0: Over. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Daisy martinez Barron now. Uh, CGIAR Climate Security is soon going to launch a report on the climate security nexus in the Central American Dry Corridor. Can you provide us with a preview on what the main findings of that report are?
2: Yes. Thanks, Mark. Yes, this paper is um, aiming to understand the linkages between climate, conflict, agriculture and migration in Central American Dry Corridor, and to offer a map, a roadmap for the region while emphasizing on the role of research for development. So what we have found? We found that despite, despite the interconnection between climate security uh, and migration crisis, these are being managed totally as separate challenges in the Central American dry corridor. So that leaves us uh, leave an opportunity for agricultural research for development to help rural populations to adapt and mitigate climate risk, uh, climate change impacts, as well as stabilizing agriculture based livelihoods and increase peace and security through well-targeted support uh, efforts with uh, humanitarian political and social and security focused solutions we have also find find uh, we have have also found that there are several entry points for climate security in this area one of those is uh, to foster interministerial and intersectoral dialogue on current silo perspective for example and so to quantify interrelated social economic and environmental challenges and to find business cases, to target public and private sector investment, including in research. and also building existing existing regional networks and transfer platforms to rethink and redesign community-based approaches. We think that those community-based approaches can be really effective to uh, address these interrelated objectives. And so to put human development, uh, rural human development much higher in the agenda, I think that's key and it's, uh, it's related to what just uh, Andrew was mentioning. And strengthening and focus the agricultural research for development to transform the agricultural uh, systems to be more resilient and productive. Those are the key, uh, the key entry points that we found in the report.
0: Uh, thank you. Uh, Javier, you are the coordinator of the Climate Change Program of the Farmers Union, CLAC. Can you summarize for us what your organization's main concerns are regarding climate security? Okay, thank you.
4: This is a very interesting and complex question because, uh, well, there is a macroscopic vision that the main concern is migration, but I'm going to focus on the microscopic uh, problems. In in our perspective, the main concern is the income. Because we are quite in touch with producers, we focus on income. And we understand that if we improve incomes, we will break a vicious cycle, circle of uh, migration, and this will uh, generate the opposite, the opposite phenomenon. But we focus on, since we focus on income, we understand that there are at least three dimensions of analysis. The environmental dimension, which is very linked with natural resources scarcity, especially water. We also also try to improve common pool resources problems, which are very common problem uh, with producers. We also look to the economic dimension, especially price volatility, and uh, cost of, pro- of production. And something very important, the appropriation and uh, who, who generate value in the value of change and who appropriate that value. This is something that is really important. And, of course, the agronomic dimension with focus on crop yield. If we improve crop yield, if we manage price volatility, if we reduce cost of production, if we manage Uh, natural resources scarcity, of course, we will improve the income of producers and with better incomes, we will reduce migration and we will reduce uh, all other causal phenomena like uh, conflicts. So that is our uh, main
0: focus in this problem. Uh, Thank you. I'd now like to turn to Salvador Fernandez-Rivera uh, the dry corridor is in your figurative backyard. Uh, can you explain how uh, the climate security nexus manifests itself in Mexico?
5: Yes, Mark. Um, first, I I would like to say that uh, more than half of Mexico's territory is arid and semi-arid land. It's characterized by being both dry and warm, uh, for this reason, Mexico is highly vulnerable to drought and wildfires. Mexico has also more than 9,300 kilometers of coastline, and this is along the Pacific Ocean, the Gulf of California, the Gulf of Mexico, and the Caribbean Sea. This is an important resource, and uh, it also makes Mexico high vulnerable hurricanes and floods, both in urban and rural areas. These uh, risk, risks result in food production losses, water scarcity, losses in forest land cover, and biodiversity, and uh, of course, in more people falling in poverty. Some beyond, uh, beyond food, water, and environmental security, Climate change has also an impact on other dimensions of security, as we are hearing today. And one of those dimensions is migration. Studies in Mexico point to a positive relationship between the increase in temperature and migration. Until early in this century, migration in Mexico was characterized mainly by large numbers of rural people moving to the USA in search of better job opportunities. However, and uh, as we have heard today, presumably because of climate change, over the last two decades, migration in Mexico has become much more complex, as the country is in the path of migrants from Central America, the Caribbean, and even from countries in Africa and Asia that are on their way to the U.S., some of these migrants are unable to cross the border between the U.S. and and Mexico and stay here in in this country. We also know that uh, migrants are very much abused by the organized crime, and this is a major threat to their personal security, and it's also a threat to national security in Mexico. That's what I will...
0: Have to say for now. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, we'll continue with a, a next round of questions. Uh, Andrew, uh, over to you. Unlike in Africa and Asia, displacement crises in Central America tend to be more short-term from what you have learned from other regions, what needs to be done to mitigate the climate security threat in Central America, in the dry corridor in Central America, to avoid protracted crises like we see in other parts of the world?
3: Um, uh, thanks, thanks, Mark. The um, but that assumption may be changing quite quickly, and I think if we've just seen what's happened on the um, on the U.S. border with the Haitians, um, as being almost Symbomatic of what may be about to occur in the future is that the overall environment facing many vulnerable groups throughout South and, and Central America is changing rapidly. And as I mentioned before, you had communities in the past who may have been able to um, resist or adapt um, due to one flood or one, one hurricane or one drought. But if you have this cascading series of disasters, they're finding it's not possible. And as a consequence, they are moving and they're not they everyone moves internally first. But if there's not the support as far as far as adaptation and and ability to um, build up that resilience, what we are seeing is people continuing to move. And not only within the country, we're starting to see people move across borders and then even further along uh, to other countries. So what we're looking at um, not only in central and south america but across the world is what is the climate crisis going to be doing for vulnerable populations around uh, around the world and there are very similar characteristics and as avia mentioned before it basically goes down to the ability of communities to survive and as was also mentioned uh, by bram before as well many communities who are based who are reliant upon agriculture um, are going to have to adapt. And the crops which exist at the current temperature threshold may not exist in 10 or 15 years' time. So we're going to have to change the way in which people uh, manage the resources because continuing on with the current way of living, of working, of farming is not going to be uh, sustainable, unfortunately. So what we're doing is trying to work with um, key actors in order to look at where these regions will likely be as far as the impact of climate change, but not only the impact of climate change, what will the populations be in those areas, um, what will be the access to water in those areas, and then try and provide as much support as we can. Um, We can't do this alone, and nor should we. We've got to be doing it in a very much holistic manner where development actors... Are working towards impact, uh, we're working towards sustainable peace, and where we're using data um, to inform decision-making. Often data is collected but not used in a manner which actually is of any use. So changing the way in which all agencies work to support the most vulnerable communities on the ground has to be the way in which we um, address climate change and security.
0: Thank you. Uh, and Daisy, uh, to you, how can research help tackle climate security risks in the Central American Dry Corridor? What are some of the success stories you could share with the audience that helped farmers adapt to build climate resilience and helped to bring about peace at the same time?
2: Thanks, Mark. And I think that uh, agricultural research can can actually help to respond to the questions that Andrew was just mentioning. Um, Using that data, using that information to really make decisions that uh, provide a means for communities to, to uh, develop uh, the capacity to adapt and to increase uh, resilience. So investing in agriculture for research for development uh, needs to be focused on enhancing resilience of agricultural production and rural livelihoods in response to climate change impacts, but that at the same time can also contribute to reducing conflict and out migration. And uh, in, in fact, in the position paper, we included three examples of uh, three different cases in which we can we can show this one was on uh, participatory communica- community-based adaptation, the climate smart village approach that um, the CGR research program on climate change and, and food security have been implementing over the last 10 years across Asia, Africa, and Latin America. And the other one was uh, related to the integrated agri food system initiatives in Mexico and Colombia, led by CIMID and partners, which are clear examples of adaptive and transformative dimensions and resilience uh, for resilience building uh, in these two countries with relevant partners in order to reduce um, the impacts of climate change and variability and increase productivity, as as, uh, Javier was mentioning as well. And then the third one on climate services uh, is to increase local resilience so that we have these local technical agroclimatic committees, Mesas Tecnicas Agroclimáticas in Spanish, which are able to provide that information tailored at the local level, tailored tailored to the needs of the farmers and the uh, local stakeholders to really inform their decision making and reduce the risks associated to uh, climate variability and climate change in their uh, agricultural production systems, and this way, these these local agroclimatic committees increase institutional adaptive capacity at different scales, influencing national and institutional policy changes. Actually, also fostering interinstitutional alliances that are key in order to address this complex problem, and then uh, increase adaptive capacity and transformative resilience. Uh, across different scales, so these are that are uh, some of the examples that we um, that we have uh, to show these how research for development is useful to address this complex problem.
0: Well, and that leads very nicely into my next question to Javier. Uh, farming cooperatives are far more prevalent and more highly organized in Latin America than pretty much anywhere else in the world. Uh, what role do you see cooperatives playing in rural areas to contribute to peace and security as well as climate resilience?
4: Okay. Thank you. Mm. Well, in my previous intervention, I I mentioned that we need to break a vicious circle. And let us think of one scenario with isolated producers and workers. And in this scenario, Producers and worker has limited access to market, limited access to financing, and of course they have low production and high cost, and this is a, of course they will have a low income. And with low income, again they will have limited access to financing and market. So this is a vicious circle when we dis- we talk about is isolated. Workers in in the other in the opposite side in another scenario we have association we have uh, associated farmers and when farmers are associated they uh, have many many benefits but I will focus only on economies of the scale and since they have more economies of the scale they are more able to break this vicious circle because they will access in a better way to. financing and markets and they will uh, introduce some best practices and improve their productivity and reduce their costs and they will increase their income so association is a good way in the case of the fair trade, we also have uh, the premium price. And the premium price is like a a price that we are able to accumulate over time. And this accumulate is like a leverage tool that also will give more opportunity to uh, break this vicious circle. Uh,
0: Thank you. And Salvador, in regard to climate security focused interventions, what are some of the lessons learned that Mexico can share with its dry corridor neighbors to the south?
5: Well, um, I, I think it is important first to put in context what is happening in the dry corridor. It is, as we have heard today, it is highly vulnerable to climate change. And uh, in fact, the region emissions of in-house uh, gases are rather insignificant. Yet the impact of climate change in the Dry Corridor is immense. The insecurity that a few years ago was mostly contained within the, the Northern Triangle in the borders between El Salvador, Honduras and Guatemala has expanded through the corridor and very likely this has happened because of climate change. And I may reference to this situation because this is something uh, similar that is happening also in Mexico. Uh, What lessons could we share? I think uh, first will be very general lessons, but I think it's critical to have uh, in place clear policies with goals that address both climate change and climate-related security issues. In Mexico's constitution establishes a mandate for sustainable development, also for environmental protection and for national security. We have a general law on climate change and the country is part of the UN framework convention on climate change. We have ratified both the Kyoto Protocol and the Paris Agreement. And last year we also updated our nationally determined contributions. Now, the situation on insecurity, I think it is, it is more serious. We will talk about it a, a little bit today. But uh, to implement this policy and to meet the national goals and international commitments, we have what we call a special program on climate change. This is a program that uh, cuts across all sectors and it is coordinated by the Ministry of the Environment and Natural Resources. The program goals include the mitigation of greenhouse gas emissions, also sustainable use of the natural resources, and adaptation to build resilience of people and the food system in general. In terms of res- resilience, what we are working on is basically on on institutional and technical innovations to assist local governments and local communities, to establish risk management strategies that uh, include, in particular early warning systems, also actions to anticipate and build preparedness to prevent the impact of drugs, floods, wildfires, sanitary risks and to some extent, also market failures. I think this is basically the experience that we have, and uh that uh, we feel is also closely related to what is happening in the dry corridor. thank you uh
0: thank you and I appreciate your answer because these webinar series are all uh great conversations uh but they also are intended to focus individual actions and institutional actions what we can do to Uh, Overcome some of these challenges. So, with that in mind, my last set of questions to each of you will be action-oriented. Andrew, to you, the climate crisis is here now, and and as you referenced earlier, will likely get worse. As you said earlier, the uh, chances that different crops will need to be planted over the next few years are increasing. So, going forward, what are UNHCR's big-ticket actions to address climate security crises? In Latin America and even beyond.
3: No, thanks again. The uh, I think everyone who is who is interested in the human dimension of of the climate crisis has to refocus away from delivery. We still have to deliver support when it's required. We have to be more focused on the transformation aspect. Uh, what UNHCR is engaged mostly at the moment with people on the move, uh, particularly from. Conflict affected areas, violent affected areas, is on the registration side on providing protection. So, been working with governments and communities to do that. But if that's the case, then it's almost too late. So we have to transform the way in which we work to try and reduce the the, the reasons for why violence breaks out. So the big ticket items have to be talking to communities, listening to those communities, and trying to understand what is it that they fear and also. How do they see ways in which to address, best address uh, the impact of climate change and other issues coming forward? So in order to do that, we're working with um, governments, communities on the ground to develop regional plans of action so that it's not just trying to react to events. It's trying to be much more proactive, anticipate where the trends are going. Science is very clear. Data is very clear in regards to um, the challenges we're going to be having in the future. We need to recognise that. Um, and respond accordingly. Um, The other elements, too, is um, we're participating in something called the Issue-Based Coalition on Climate Change. That's a regional platform of other UN agencies. Again, moving away from one agency knows everything to sort of saying we all need to be working together on this and working with country initiatives as much as we can. In in, uh, Brazil, there's a green jobs initiative, which we're uh, focused on. But wherever there is an initiative to support vulnerable communities, um, we'd be willing to try and provide support or be the catalyst to, to get resources to provide support. Because the last thing which we want to do is see people more on the move, more on the move due to conf- of that combination of conflict and climate. That is the last thing that demonstrates uh, success. Over.
0: Thank you. Uh, And just a reminder to the audience, in a few minutes, we will be taking your questions. To leave a question, please simply uh, write your question in the comment field wherever you are watching the live stream. Uh, Daisy, OneCGIAR is launching a set of new initiatives in 2022 to help build resilience to climate change and contribute to peace and security. How will you do that in Latin America? And how has the evidence that has come out of the climate security debate helped shape your agenda.
2: Yeah, Mark, and that's that's one of the initiatives that we are developing together with Bram. Um, We are co-designing a regional integrated initiative for Latin America that is called AgriLac Resiliente. And the initiative is aiming to address in a holistic manner, manner the interconnections between climate security and migration and agricultural research for development through a food systems approach. Uh, a valuable proposition is that as innovation and research systems across the scales are strengthened through collaborative actions on the ground, the agri-food systems will become more competitive, climate resilient and sustainable for rural households, households that depend on those uh, systems. This implies having a clear pathways for enabling adaptive and transformative resilience capacities and achieving a scale while creating new opportunities for youth, men, and women that are informed by diverse and strong social networks. And here, I think that that's that's the the whole um, uh, point of having these kind of initiatives uh, is to join forces and to join efforts, as Andrew was saying, uh, this uh, this initiative is an opportunity to join efforts on how research for development can inform different uh, initiatives and efforts that other institutions, development institutions are uh, pursuing in those territories. Um, the initiative will implement the ag- integrated agri food system approach across five work packages, and those will focus one on climate and nutrition, the other one on digital agroclimatic advisory tools, on low emissions and competitive systems and value chains, and innovation and scaling through hubs for knowledge and co creation of tailored and actionable science for policies, investments, and institutions. The, this last world package will mainstream climate security and migration interconnections across all the initiative the resiliente. and we hope to join forces as I mentioned with different stakeholders so that we through this initiative we are able to achieve those goals of increasing uh, the resilience of vulnerable households, uh, looking at uh, th- those local networks, looking at those capacities and ownership of the research that we do, Together with agencies that can scale those uh, learnings, those information and those insights from research beyond.
0: Uh, thank you, uh, and Javier, how will your organization help farmers address the climate risks and the climate as the climate crisis gets worse? Uh, how will you address the fact that climate weakens food systems, which can lead to insecurity and into conflict? Yeah. Okay. Well, first we develop
4: a climate change strategy. For instance, is a framework strategy, and the the idea is to introduce technologies adapted to climate. The idea is to build resilience and diversify production. Yeah. And our strategy is focused on five uh, strategic guidelines. The first one is planning adaptation planning. The second one is Uh, better decision-making. The third one is research, very in line with with DAISY. The fourth is improve climate finance, what we call inclusive finance. And the last one is to promote joint mechanism. I mean, adaptation and mitigation mechanism. And this whole strategy implicitly will focus on reducing conflicts by improving incomes and improving uh, the managing of natural resources, which are also very scarce. And this is our uh, strategy. And we are achieving very good results. Uh, It's a two-year strategy. And uh, by the the moment, uh, we work with uh, near- 200 organizations and we plan to work with another 200 in the next year.
0: Uh, Thank you. And uh, last question until we get to the audience questions for Salvador. In December, 2020, your government, the Nobel Peace Center and the International Maize and Wheat Improvement Center called for agriculture for peace to quote, overcome the main challenges to human development in an international system under pressure from conflict, organized crime, forced migration, and climate change. Which further steps is Mexico intending to take? And could Mexico contribute to sustainable change in the dry corridor?
5: Yes, Mark. As I mentioned earlier, in addition to environmental and food security issues, we are concerned by climate-related security And uh, this is in particular by security related to migration and how migrants are affected by the organized crime. Uh, And this is very much a problem here in Mexico as it is in the dry corridor and in other parts of the world. Uh, Here in Mexico to deal uh, specifically with this issue, a high level commission was established over the last year Less than a year ago, uh, to look at these issues, uh, at these issues, I am, I've been participating in this commission. The commission uh, first identified some uh, regions, municipalities in the country, that are affected by insecurity, by the presence of organized crime, and, uh, in urban and rural settings, and most of these uh, uh, regions are also under the effect of climate change. Uh, There is a set of pilot sites, and uh, all of these are characterized by large proportion of the population, farming population that have a big rate to avoid insecurity. Uh, The big uh, challenges that we have, uh, first, uh, one is how to restore the rule of law by Pacific means. And uh, a second challenge is how to facilitate the reconstruction of uh, social uh, processes. And of course, this was well beyond uh, to agriculture, but this is indeed an opportunity for agriculture to contribute to these processes. In all of these situations, what we have observed uh, first is that the highest priority of the population is to restore the free and safe uh, transit. Uh, That, it seems, that doesn't have to do much with agriculture. But for farmers also, what we have observed is that their top priority is not producing more. But their top priority, their first priority, is their ability to take their products to the market and get the fair prices and uh, not... Uh, being uh, abused by having to pay uh, to the organized crime to have access to those markets, we don't have yet answers on how best uh, to deal with these issues, but uh, we we are still working on on it. Now, regarding the the question of whether Mexico could contribute to sustainable change in the dry corridor, the answer is yes. In fact. Uh, Mexico's federal government is uh, convinced and uh, uh, open to participate in this process, but is convinced of the importance of creating local capacity in the right corridor by facilitating and investing in processes that integrate local communities to the economy in the context of uh, sustainable food systems. This could be achieved by working under the framework of the Central America Integration System uh, we hear this morning about the, the Consejo Agropecuario Centroamericano and I think uh, we will be very open in uh, in <clears throat> taking advantage of the opportunities to contribute to the peace process in the dry corridor thank you uh
0: thank you we are now going to turn Turn to questions from the audience. Uh, the first question I have is going to be for Javier and Daisy. Uh, it comes from Dick Tinsley. To what degree will improved farming systems require additional labor, and if so, do the farmers have the dietary energy to undertake this additional labor? Uh, let's let's start with Daisy. Thanks,
2: Mark. Yeah. So one of the key things is to address holistically uh, the whole improvement of farming systems. So you will have on one side uh, you can have uh, biofortified um, cropping systems that will enhance the dietary and nutrition of uh, the different farmers um, that are involved in this in this system. So so you will you can combine different goals and different uh, purposes when you are improving the farming systems. Some of those, uh, the idea is to understand how much labor increase and and to what extent and whether that uh, uh, balances the the benefits that they are are willing to receive. All the, the approaches and the research that we have done are based on a dialogue between the knowledge that the farmers and communities have and what we can offer as, as scientists and researchers. And the idea is to really understand what are the benefits of improving those farming systems, how we can do that better, and how innovation can support that. So, so the idea is to have a holistic and integral point of view and, and approach so that we understand what are the, the challenges and how we can meet nutrition um, benefits, but also... More uh, productive uh, systems that also are in line with the different um, uh, interconnections and relationships with the environment and natural resources that we need for those uh,
0: farming systems. Uh, Thank you, Javier. Well, I
4: will start my answer with my main message with this income. With low income producers, they they don't have much money to, to buy food and have an adequate nutrition dietary so based on our strategy we are promoting diversifying the diversification of production and with this diversification uh, producers from one side will be able to sell products and improve their income the increase of income with will be uh, will improve the possibility to buy more foods but also but also diversifying production, uh, they will be able to uh, eat, eat better food with their own production. So the idea is we understand the problem. This is a very common problem and uh, we are working very hard uh, promoting tools to diversify production. And since we believe that this is the, the most adequate way, the most adequate tool to improve incomes and at the same time achieve dietary problems, uh, uh, we are we create a fund, a fund, and we are giving money to some producers based on some proposal to promote this uh, diversifying of production.
0: Uh, thank you. Uh, and the next question will be for Salvador and Andrew, and it comes from Benoit Manga. We know that, cl- that migration has an impact on economic development, but will improving the farming systems of migrant regions contribute to the global fight against climate change? Uh, let's start with uh, Salvador.
5: Yes. Um, <clears throat> well, I will start uh, making reference to what Javier was saying about the importance of increasing income. And I do agree fully with that uh, concept, uh, because uh, if uh, if the family has sufficient income for a living, uh, they don't have incentives to join uh, the organized uh, crime. Uh, however, I think this this uh, this hypothesis is valid in places where there is not much violence. If there is a uh, if there is violence, the, this will not be enough because, in fact, those producers will have, will will have a higher income. Then they become victims of the organized crime. I have to pay mm. monthly fees for for only for being in, in that place. So, uh, what we have seen in in very violent uh, places in Mexico is that they end they end up living. I think the mm the security uh, beyond what is the military-related uh, security. I think we, we need to address those, uh, those problems. Uh, and I also agree with the concept of that, uh, innovations in, in agriculture will, will allow the farmers to have uh, more income uh, and uh, make a sustainable use of their resources uh, and improve their livelihoods in nutrition and so on. But uh, we need to address the problems of insecurity. If we don't do that, that simply will not happen.
0: Uh, Thank you. Andrew, to you.
3: No, I'd also agree um, that it's not only climate change, which is one of the key drivers of people moving in these areas. It's also the everything is interconnected, and um, one of the key um, elements is governance. If there is not strong governance, then it's hard to have a... Impactful development programs, and so if you don't if you don't have a system which people can trust, then it doesn't matter what the investments are in the region. People will look to have a safe and secure future elsewhere. Mm. So we so you have a situation where climate change is exacerbating underlying grievances, and some parts of South America and Central America it's poor governance, and so unless you can deal with all these issues in a holistic manner then you're going to achieve very little and this is why it is so important that agencies governments and communities get together and actually identify why are people moving and sometimes even if you um, improve the the farming potential of a certain area there is there is a, um, a mega trend globally which is towards urbanization People are not willing to farm small plots um, if the return on that investment is not sufficient. Um, They want to move forward. They want to see different um, um, opportunities for their children. So unless you address the issue of human dignity and security, then um, nothing else is really going to work.
0: Uh, So it is October 2021, Uh, therefore I feel rightfully compelled to uh, pose a question to each of you about COP26 right around the corner one month from now. Uh, Commitments from Latin American countries will be crucial to meeting the overall goals at COP26 and other important net zero targets. What message do each of you have to those attending cop so it brings about meaningful climate action which also maintains peace and security uh, this will be our our, our final uh, round of questions we'll take 1 minute each for the message that each of you have to those attending cop 26 next month in glasgow and let's start with with salvador because you brought up uh, cop in your opening remarks as well
5: well um for the that's a tough question. No, I think it is not an easy an easy one. Um, Andrew referred to the importance of uh, governance. I think uh, that's uh, that's true. That's an important issue. But I think uh, probably because we don't have, uh, we don't know yet actually how to solve this problem of uh, uh, of not having peace in uh, in some uh, rural uh, territories. Uh, we don't have a solution yet. I think what we need to we need to make a greater effort to understand the problem and uh, and find a solution through pacific means. Is uh, if we don't solve this, then the the preservation of the natural resource base and the fight against climate change, I believe, will 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 have very limited results. So we need to address the problem. I don't think we have a, a solution yet. Uh, we need to work on it. And uh, uh, strong governance and listening to people. I think we need to get in touch with people. It is amazing when we started to go to those places that are very unsafe and listen to people and what their problems are. is It's fundamental to address the problem. is This is not going to come from a top-down uh, solution. We need to involve the local communities and, uh, and uh, strengthen their uh, their governments.
0: Thank you. Uh, Javier, to you, uh, in, in one minute, what uh, message would you have to those attending COP26?
4: Well, I think it's that realize that agricultural producers and workers are a key part of the solution. And they need support, a real support, not only empty words. We need a uh, real support, uh, especially related to more access to climate finance and a better distribution of this access to finance. Since we improve on when we improve the, the, the financing of producers, we will break this vicious circle and everything will start to to be better so uh, let's realize that workers are part key part of the solution and put in a, in a in a in the correct perspective not only empty words thank you uh, and Andrew to you
3: well I hope people do not even attend cop unless they are actually serious about making a difference um, I attended Madrid um cop a couple of years ago and i've i've not really seen that much uh significant change since then um i don't want to sort of repeat what greta says but there's far too much talk and and not not enough action i think the the, the people who are rather attending um cop maybe people should be talking to their own communities and so sort of seeing what it is that they um need to have changed um uh, one of the key issues with with you and XCR is that we when people apply for refugee status we ask what are the reasons why you left and it's complex it's all interwoven um if it's violence it becomes um that's the end result but everything is becoming much more complicated so rather than talking why don't people start talking to the communities and find out what are the results what are the actions that those communities need thank you uh-
0: Thank you, and, and Daisy, uh, final remarks for you, your message to those at COP.
2: Yeah, I will, I will bring three words. One is listen, the other one collaborate, and the other one act. We need to listen to all the people on the ground, young people, uh, the people that know what are the challenges, the rural communities that are working uh, day to day in dealing with this type of issues, and we need to listen carefully. We also need to collaborate between each other. The uh acting in silos and just putting our own perspectives, but really to collaborate with each other and try to think in a holistic manner in each of one of the interventions that we do. The other one is act, and we need to really do something and just stop talking and just saying words and commitments, but actually start acting and doing um, and doing what we need to do in order to transform and to close the gap of innovation that we already have in the agricultural system. So that would be a great message.
0: Uh, well, that concludes uh, our webinar today. I'm going to turn the camera and microphone over to Bram Hovarts for some concluding remarks. Thank you all for your participation. Uh, today's episode, today's conversation will be published as an episode of the Global Dispatches podcast. You can access that on anywhere you can find uh, podcasts and I look forward to seeing you again at a future webinar. Over to you, Bram.
1: Thank you very much. And first of all, thanks uh, to the one and only Mark-Leon Goldberg, for moderating this very complex uh, discussion. Big thank you to Andrew, Daisy, Javier, and our ex-SIMIT board member Salvador. Your insights uh, have been very helpful. I've been taking very, very detailed notes. And then a couple of highlights. I think we all remember when uh, we heard the phrase that uh, when people move, it is because they have no other alternative than to move, and climate change is forcing them. And this inspires us to look at stabilized livelihoods with more income, but especially to focus on how we can fix those agri-food systems that are already broken in the the region. But also let's look at those systems that today in this region are providing actually environmental services like biodiversity, are providing nutrition globally. And let's avoid that those systems also break because that would have a devastating impact all over the world. It's very clear that farmers are part of the solution. And in that solution, you need to look at the environment and the livelihood, but also at the full value chain, evaluating how can we add value to nutrition, to our, uh, to, to those environmental services, and in the end, to peace building. Is there a mechanism where we can break what is today the same grain of meat, the same value, Is given to a grain of maize produced with unsustainable practices, produced in a way that disrupts the systems, produced in a way that uh, displaces people? How can we give additional value to a maize grain that is produced by corrupt cooperatives with uh, uh, diversification strategies, with farmers at the center creating a solution for climate change? Science for sure, data science, system science, thinking science, will be at the heart of coming to this solution. Let this be a call for a different way of doing science that puts and breaks the vicious circle and that immediately connects to scale through innovation networks. I think this seminar has highlighted that change is needed right now. Let us not be mistaken. This is one of the biggest threats we ever have dealt with as humankind and we will be held accountable, all of us here today, for these decisions we take the coming future. We will need to move from response to transformation. And it's exactly there where the science of the CJR sits and can act together and, and, and allow for the needed information exactly for that transformation. At CIMIT, we are committed to contribute to address food security and climate adaptation challenges together with food producers and consumers globally. In fact, we are already working with the government of Mexico on integrated projects called Crops for Mexico that has been the basis for the regional integrated initiatives that, that they see, uh, mentioned. And very clearly, uh, Salvador offered that the lessons learned from all those efforts in Mexico can be offered to the rest of the region we will certainly use the compelling arguments voiced in this webinar to seek more partners and secure additional funding to help respond to the climate security crisis in the Central America's dry corridor. Because we need decoupled action and we need to activate our response capacity on the ground with excellence in science and excellence in uh, response uh, operations. Anything that does not respond, anything that does not contribute to the shift that we need should be forcefully abandoned. And if we have a card to play, a card that can support this transformation, we will have to play it hard and play it now. Like Daisy said, let's listen, collaborate, and act. Let's get to action together now. We can keep looking around who's gonna do it. Surprise, nobody else is gonna come around. It's gonna be us all together who has to take the needed action. All the
5: rest can simply wait. Thank you very much.
0: All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to CGIAR for partnering with the podcast on this series of live tapings of the podcast. Again, to participate in a future live episode as part of this series, please visit climatesecurity.cgiar.org. All right. I'll see you next time. Bye.